If you've ever been to a major conference or experience, you've probably seen the handiwork of today's guest. He's the EVP of Strategy and Solutions at Opus Agency. Opus Agency is an experience agency who services 13 of the world's top global brands. They help them strategize and deliver their flagship experiences. So if you've been to Dreamforce, if you've been to Amazon's reInvent or any of those other major conferences, that's what Opus Agency does. Today's guest is Brent Turner. You're listening to C-Suite Blueprint, the show for C-Suite leaders. Here we discuss no BS approaches to organizational readiness and digital transformation. Let's start the show. Brent, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. So the the event space, my guess would be that many, many, many people underestimate what that means. It's not just uh, getting some booths together and setting some, up some AV equipment, is it? Well, that's all it is. That is that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and and when, the pan, when the pandemic hit, you just switched to Zoom, no big deal. And, and now after you're just going to go back, right? Is that the way it works? That, that's pretty much it. Just building booths again and really trying to pile as many people into a small room as possible and, and just <laughs> see where the, the uh, health and safety restrictions let us go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the kidding aside, the event space itself being a everything from your your family gathering and weddings on through to our space in the corporate side, but they all carry that one commonality, which is bringing people together, bringing them together live to see what like we're going to do right now, like conversations, mm-hmm. moments, bonding, and so it doesn't matter if we're talking a hundred thousand person large scale corporate event filled with activations booths inspirational speakers, or if it's 10 people for a very bespoke dinner, the idea of what an event is, is more relevant, I think, than ever, because we've been, for two years, we've all been lacking it. It's coming together in in meaningful ways. Love it. So what have you, what have you learned over the last couple of years? The most compelling things we have learned is the role of rituals and traditions and what that means when you do come together. And for so many things like, and you and I have talked outside of this podcast about the days of just when you'd hop on a plane and travel and well, Zoom is going to kill that and we're never going to do that again. Well, I actually believe that at its core, things like rituals and traditions of getting on a whiteboard are, we took them for granted, but they matter. And if you look at us as a species, the more and more you think of who and how we've evolved, we still are a species that loves its stories and loves its campfires and loves those sort of today's terms or the last 20 years terms of FOMO. We've, we love those things. And really, it's not necessarily about what we have learned in the last two years as much as it's put that spotlight on uh, those things that we've missed, the rituals, the traditions and the ideas of just sitting around and telling a good story that matters to who we are as a species, let alone uh, who we are as a culture, society, or a business community. That's a deep human drive. And, and you're seeing people seek it out in so many new and different ways. You know, you and I were talking about a little bit about how, what's the next era of communities and how people are building these communities and engaging? If they, we're going to go a little esoteric for, for, your, for your audience here for a minute, but it's the interesting, the interesting dynamic in just society of the last really 100 years as it's changed after wars, after the uh, suburbanification, if that's a word, of America, of the rest of the world, the modernization. We have seen the institutions that bring us together for those fireside moments I was talking about before, for the hundreds and thousands of years of getting together in a cathedral, in a 
and you pick your place, a large theater, whatever it is to have those stories be told. Well, the the objects in our society that have done that over the last millennia have been uh, social organizations. And what has happened, or, or socially oriented organizations, churches, bowling leagues, on and on and on, right? And what has happened in really the last 20, 30 years, but really accelerated in the latest generations and the latest sort of push into digital is the idea of a community and what used to bring people together as, as a place for those tribal meetings, if you will, has shifted from, the, from those more societal organizations and social organizations to the brands. And it is now from B to C, which is the easy examples. We all wear our Under Armour shirts that says that I'm a certain type of athlete or our Peloton bike over our shoulder when we're on a video call. Like These are all things that we are now using brands to be with our people and show our people. And then even in B2B, it's, we'll, we'll talk about things like how Salesforce, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, AWS, they are all brands, big tech, some of the most valuable companies in the world have created a sense of community because we as a society are looking to brands to be what brings us together and to give us that sense of purpose, place, and identity. Interesting. So the the Elk Lodges of the world are now being replaced with, with your CrossFits or your Pelotons. I'm curious, why the brands? Why did it why does it gravitate that way? Because I know when I was growing up, man, my, my mother would just, oh, anytime I wanted something that had a brand written big on it, she's like, we're not getting that. You're not getting paid to wear that. So, so why is it that we are just gravitating towards these brands to replace that community vacuum? You know, same exact, like I still am like, what logo? Why? Like, and, but weirdly, <laughs> personal self-reflection is I, I, you will rarely find me in that Under Armour shirt. But you will find me in the T-shirt I got at a conference from an IBM event I was at seven years ago or like something like that. And it's weird because it is this place of of affiliation. And I think that's been to your question before. One of the biggest things we've learned, especially in American culture, is when you've taken away the sense of being able to get together in person, what has happened is all these online communities have blown up and things like Peloton Peloton, have taken off. But a lot of it is because we are longing for the thing to say, I am part of that. And Mm -hmm. the wearing the logo on the shirt, especially when you and I were growing up, the logos on the shirt were commercial and consumerization. And then it became the Michael Jordans and the, I'm showing like, I can be like Mike and I'm drinking my Gatorade and I'm wearing my Air Force Ones and or my Air Jordans and the rest. And what's happened, especially in the last, as I see it, in the last 10 years, the wearing of the logo has shifted from trying to be like your idol to saying, I am like my people. And mm. because I don't have the church on Sunday or the the synagogue or the this or the bowling league or the elk club to fill it in, I have to use the brand to bring me together with people that look, smell, act, feel like me. Hmm. It was like brand tribes almost. Brand tribes. And, and um, like who's doing this well? What are they doing best to, to really engage with the communities? Because you know, in one sense, I could see a brand kind of trying to push two into it too much the wrong way. And it's almost like throwing too much wood on the fire. You know, just, it's going to feel like propaganda. It's going to feel unnatural. How is it done well? The first is the word community is just such a troubling and problematic word in the business community, in the business Mm. world, right? And there's whole organizations now that have have been really going after this. There's, There's this whole 
like, what do we mean by community? Do we just mean another social network, another intranet where people can do what you do on Facebook and LinkedIn, but what the brand logo is in the corner? And and really that's been what, what we've seen brands play with over the last 20 years of the digital age is where we'll talk about this being in like the fourth era of quote unquote brand communities, where the first three were basically taking flavors of Facebook, like if anybody remembers the old platform, like Jive, like Jive mm. was a platform that looked like Facebook or the early days of the very simple social networks we all use. We put your little brand logo in the corner. Look, we have a community. Well, what? <laughs> that's not a community. That's a social network. Or that's a community. So you, you you start to go around in the circle. And what's really happened in, is we're seeing that the ideas of community are starting to be put in buckets. There's communities that are built for support, meaning let's let's have a developer community, let's have a product community, and and we're all here and we're in and we're out. We're not necessarily wearing that on a shirt, but we're in and we're out for for getting solving problems, providing feedback in the product communities. The interesting work is happening in the spaces where, and the the definition I love most for community is when you're your members are providing value to other other people. So that could be in the form of support. But so what I find is the most interesting is the ones where people are in the dialogue, speaking like the brand, speaking with the brand. And it's the fan, the fan community, maybe too easy to talk about it. Like we're not talking like mm. K-pop fan, but we're talking people who who are in and providing value to each other, but then they are fighting for a larger cause. So the two sort of communities that always come to mind, right, are the easiest examples to talk about. One is in the consumer side, Peloton. We At this point, Peloton has uh, become its own tribe, cult, et cetera, because it is built on a belief and it is built on a, a vestige of product and experience. And then people, so ideally in its most positive form, supporting each other and rallying. And then for 20 years in the business side, it's been Salesforce, where they famously have their trailblazer community. And what is often lacking in the narr- the modern narrative of Salesforce was that community, that idea of, of trailblazers as we see it, it started by having the two most fundamental forms of even religion, the two, two most fundamental forms of having an enemy and ha- having a firebrand. Like, and on both cases, the enemy in Salesforce's case 20 years ago was the old no software logo they used to have. And it was about moving to the cloud. And the firebrand was Benioff, Mark Benioff as their CEO. And what happened behind them is you have an enemy, you have a firebrand, you give them a platform, a, a digital platform, you give them a uh, identity that they can rally around, you, and it evolves and evolves and it grows. And all of a sudden you have millions of people around the world who say, I'm a trailblazer. I use Salesforce too, but I'm a trailblazer. I'm doing these things. I care about these things. I'm going after these things. I'm a Peloton user. I I exercise like this. I use these things. I, I hang out with people like that. So it goes back to the exact conversation around the beginning. You wear the logo you wear, but it is simple. It's the people who are doing it well, the Pelotons and say the Salesforces, is they're giving you they're giving you an, a badge to wear, either the logo of the company, Peloton, or the badge of the community trailblazers, and they're giving you things to rally around, enemies, firebrands, supporting each other, causes, ways to provide value. But they give you a reason to turn that togetherness into a a movement of progress and meaning, purpose. Mm. 
Yeah, meaning and purpose. And, and, and I really like the fact that there's everyone's got to get some more additional value out of it, right? Because if it, it was just, I'm here, I belong, I, you know, I have the logo on, so I feel like I'm part of something, that's only going to get you so far. But if, if the community itself and the growth of the community itself implies that you're all going to get more value out of it, then, then I could see how that flywheel really just starts, starts spinning. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, especially when it's like when you and I would have dinner in the old days, right? Like if you say, I just discovered this thing and you're now advocating for it and you're almost an ambassador, you're welcoming me in because you would have seen me and say, hey, you're, you care about the same things I care about. So come in, but you're also value signaling. You're saying, I care about this. This is what I personally brand myself in. So, hey, I think you should join me. That's as old as society and our species can get is I care about this. I think you should too. I think it's cool. I think you should too. And when you come on in, you're going to see this group of people who have each other's backs, who support each other, who provide value for each other. And the brands that can tap into that in this modern form of customer experience and digital experience and the rest, the ones who can move from the logo in the corner of the intranet or the, or the pick your modern version of Jive. There's thousands of community platforms. The ones who can go from just here's a logo and here's a chat bot and here's a forum and the rest, but can shift it into those higher level purpose and meaning are the ones we're going to see keep thriving in this current age of community. Mm. And how do you, for the organizations that have been so far from this, where do they start and, and what are the pitfalls? I, I mean, you know, we work with so many laggard industries where you've got manufacturers, you've got alcohol, they, they've not been able to engage directly with their consumers at all, right? They, they've got the brand and then they're separated from the consumers through B2B, through, you know, what have you. And they're just now pushing into being able to engage with their consumers directly for the first time. And they're quite honestly excited just to have a CRM that's getting populated with names and information, right? Never mind building true brand communities. And so, you know, my guess is they could get, they could buy a lot of technology. That's probably not, that's only going to go so far, but where do you, you, where do you advise that they get started? It's two different channels of thought on that. One is a lot of the companies have to understand just past C, the R and CRM. What is the relationship they want to have? And mm. for some, it, it, it's too much of a leap and to actually think that there will be a direct relationship. And in that case, if they do step into the world of community, what happens is the brand that doesn't understand how to have a relationship with its consumer, they're the ones who create those portals we were just talking about that have a logo mm. and a support page. And maybe that's fine for you. Maybe your version of a community is just going to be a, an interesting way to democratize and provide peer-to-peer -peer support for your offerings and discussion around your offerings. The brands who want to step deeper into community where they want we keep using the t-shirt analogy. They want people to wear the t-shirt and then sit at a dinner and say, I'm part of this company or I'm not part of this company. I'm part of a community or I'm part of this thing. And I think you should be too. And by the way, it's all under the umbrella of X company over here. The ones who are doing that well, the way they're getting into it, the way we talk to them about getting into it. And you know, this is the this is a disclaimer of when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So we're an experience agency that I work for. So here's going to be the answer to create experiences. But the uh, <laughs> the very simple is this this three-part Venn diagram that that is this map to what I believe is the future of or the next generation becomes of customer and digital experience is when you figure out, as in, even especially in B2B, when you figure out under the word of relationship, how you're going to merge your content marketing initiatives and your 
And you're going to evolve that from just straight content marketing into brand journalism. You're going to have a story to tell. You're going to become, you're going to realize your role in providing entertainment and value is going to evolve in the stories you tell. You're going to look at how you bring people together. Is it, is it just booths? Is it, or is it going to be your version of in the round fireside chats, peers talking to peers and addressing solutions, not talking about products, like all that very simple shift of, of how you help people talk about. And do you have an enemy that you're going after and, I, and a larger ideal? Well, events and online, virtual, uh, in-person, small, huge, they are a great forum for putting people in a room to find out that they are alike and that they, they can form a bond. And then the last is the actual digital side of the community. What do you want that to feel like, be like? What are you, are you asking for not just support, but you're asking for feedback and you want to bring people into your product iteration and you want that relationship and you're going to own, you're going to own this sort of modern push toward authenticity and transparency. And that's going to be a pillar of your community. And if you want that under the R of CRM to be your relationship as a brand getting into it, well, then you're going to build one in the stories you tell content. You're going to build it in the events you do, bringing people together and and sharing, especially peer connection. And then you're going to do it in, you're going to round out that Venn diagram and how you pull it all together with this before and after community that can live on and tie the other two things together. Mm. So some real soul searching as far as what is your identity as a corporation and what is your relationship going to be like out there? I've, I've been, I don't know how close you've been to this, but I've been getting rather annoyed with how uh, higher ed has been approaching this space, especially with the pandemic. We're in Boston, so there's no shortage of exclusive schools around here. And I feel like a lot of their focus in a virtual or a hybrid world has been more about the the content and the curriculum and not that much about how are they going to engage and create a community. And so in one sense, you're they're just cranking out content. And there's this there's this battle between democratize the content, make it available to more people now that, that, you, that you can, versus make it exclusive. And if you don't make it exclusive or have some semblance of exclusivity, do you now start to water down your brand and water down the value of your organization? And I think you've got a lot of Ivy League schools around here that are now saying, well, if this all gets democratized, then you know, high dollar value that we present ourselves as is not going to exist anymore. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, have you been looking at that? Is do, does exclusivity factor into you know how you define and, and curate your communities? You know, I used to run digital at MIT for a while, and this was now going back 10 years. So it's on, it was on the early phase of this. But being on that side of the table in higher ed, it's actually what got me into events, ironically, and community becoming so passionate was sitting in the world of higher ed. Because so much of when you think of higher ed, you think of what you've learned, exactly where you were going, courses and curriculum. And really the value, as I, as I have interpreted it and feel it, and there's probably much more thoughtful studies and blogs and and books on the topic. But I see higher ed as two things, access and the idea of a brand of sort of what you've been, the exclusivity and what you've been welcomed into and the, hey, I worked at MIT, just name checked or MIT, like, hey, I worked at MIT. Like I'm name checking Mm -hmm. them because they let me in. There's a level of exclusivity. And the other part of the value is the networking or the community and the, the, all that, those alumni networks are as important to not just their funding and the endowments of these organizations, they're important to the grads. I've been out of college for 20 something years and it's, 
what still matters to me, I went to Boston University, what still matters to me from Boston University is, or, and I went to Syracuse before that, like in both those cases are the connections in the network, not anything I learned in the classroom. However, Mm -hmm. however, to your question and sort of the challenge we're seeing is when you take away the ability to put students in a classroom, all of a sudden it puts the focus on the curriculum and the course and all these amazingly well-paid professors who do beautiful research and the rest. And so the what an organization like higher ed immediately does is it looks where it spends its money and where and what it does. I have very big buildings filled with classrooms with very well-paid professors. So what am I doing? I am a curriculum business. And the organizations who are going to figure out how to pivot in this across all of higher ed from high prestige on through are going to be the ones who understand their brand and the ones who understand their network. And the courses in the middle are just uh, just the, not even just, that's going to bias the wrong way because amazing professors do amazing things. And uh, so it's not just, but they're going to put a, three, a three-piece Venn diagram of themselves together. And they're going to probably value brand and community more than they realized they should have going, than they were going into the uh, pandemic. Mm. Yeah, you just can't avoid those, just the the core fundamentals of, of who are you and what the relationship is. What kind of pitfalls or, you know, I always love to figure out where the BS is in a certain space. So what kind of, where's the BS live out there in, in this space? Ooh, I would say, well, it's going to be curious in the race toward this fourth era of communities. And we're seeing it, we're seeing it like sort of the last few years have been two big trends that we see, especially perpetuated by Silicon Valley, by uh, VCs. One is the community. It's go to community, not go to market. And there's this whole narrative now. Communities getting spread. You Google, you Google community and it is sprinkled with advice. And it's so prevalent, especially again, you one of your early questions, what do you take away from people is the ability to share an identity, get together. So what gets filled in the void? Community. And of course, the other mm-hmm. is this whole Web 3.0, NFT, blockchain, own your privacy piece. And they are related of each other. It's about establishing a firm identity and privacy, which is Web 3. And it's about connection and connectivity, which is community. And of course, coming out of the last five years, privacy and community are the hottest things. But the BS is like any good organization, when the buzzwords carry forward and people don't actually interpret and understand what they mean, oh, I'm I'm Web 3.0-ing right now. Well, I build my community <laughs> on a Web 3.0 and I've issued NFTs for everybody in my community. You did what? How does any of that matter? So the biggest BS is we have a whole new round of buzzwords that are dominating consumer digital live experiences. And it's going to be just don't, the biggest level of BS is going to be letting yourself use the buzzword, but not actually implement the process, the ideas, the purpose that goes underneath all of these buzzwords that have emerged. Mm. I'd like to buy three Web 3.0, please. And yeah. and with, a, with an add-on of community, uh, can you just wrap that up and send it on over to me, please? Yeah, what, do you, what do you think the over-unders for the first RFP you guys get? Six months, I say, is when you get the, we need to digitally transform ourselves into a community first, Web 3.0 based uh, organization that issues NFTs on the blockchain. Like it's coming. I, I'm going to say July will be your first one. Yeah, that's coming next year for sure. Yeah, in, in the metaverse, uh, I would imagine. Oh, in the meta. Well. Oh, I didn't, how did I get all through that without dropping some metaverse? Yes. <laughs> uh, interesting. So, when you're advising your clients and really setting up the strategy for them, where do you find that people, when people go into this, 
what do they underestimate the most? You know, I feel like, you know, when, when someone might be thinking about how to be engaged with the community, they might just think, oh, we'll just hire a few community managers, you know, we'll, we'll spin up this event. And, and that's our, those are our two or three budget line items. Where do they underestimate? It's the cultural change. Mm. And some of it was the same things we were just talking about a moment ago is opening up yourself to a community. Brands, most in, especially if you get to a brand at scale, but most size companies, it's almost what we were just talking about with higher ed. Let's connect a couple dots. In higher ed, you think of what is my product, right? Well, my product is education. I make this thing. Or if you were Salesforce in a different light or all the other CRM companies that exist in the world, I make this app and it's my thing. And then somebody over here is saying, I need a community. Let's make a community. Let's bring our people together. And it's like, ah, yes, those people use my app, but that's cool. They're just users. They're not they're, or, or the marketers who do content marketing, they're just my audience. And the idea of a community, and then you hire a community manager, and that person walks in and says, we need authenticity. We need transparency. We need, we need a firebrand. We need an identity. We need something to rally these people behind. They're like, no, 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 those are users. All I need is them to tell me what they want in the next feature set and to report bugs over here. And now you're getting into organizational change because you're finding that brands, if I go back to the thousand year millennial equivalent of religion, all of a sudden brands are now building cathedrals with their own firebrand leaders of a congregation. And you're people are like, no, 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 that's not what I do. I'm a business. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, and forget the, the theology majors are going to be calling, but like what happens is when you realize that you need to build your own congregation and your own community, well, you've got to build the cathedral to put them in and bring them inside. And now they're not just going to sit quiet. They're going to have advice and feedback and want to talk and on and on, on. And many brands would rather just build the beautiful castle, not build a cathedral where they sit up on the hill and they say, look at us. I lord over these lands. Well, mm. the difference is, and the biggest hurdle is the culture to realize that your castle is now a cathedral. I'm like very medieval here. Your castle is now a <laughs> cathedral is a cultural change that starts with your organization. And if you can get that right, then all your community managers you hire, your programs you develop will all find the platform to be successful. So who are the dragons? Where are the dragons in this in this scenario? Oh, right. I don't know. You know, by the way, I've never used, I've used the cathedral analogy before. I've never used this castle, the cathedral. That just hit me as I was babbling. <laughs> so it's not well thought out, but now I can see some beautiful whiteboard of the dragons floating in the moat. Maybe your competitors? You know, the disruptors kind of coming up every, yeah. every 50 years they awaken and, and they, they come to disrupt you and, and knock down some of your walls, right? We got to figure this one out in this analogy because it just longs for that there will be dragons, like, <laughs> or there'll be <laughs> There's dragons. dragons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting to think about because I, I feel like for so long, you know, you view the customers or the users very transactionally. And then we pushed into this era of really trying to focus on the user journey and mood maps. And, and now it's just this next level up where it's really what is that relationship? What, what is that community? The, the entire cathedral that quite honestly, it's not even like you're building the cathedral. You're, you're giving them the tools to help build the, put the bricks into that cathedral themselves, I would imagine. Yep. Yeah. So that there's a sense of ownership there, that it's, it, it's not just something that's been given to them. It's a great. Well, Brent, it's, it's exciting stuff. I always like to end these conversations on a fun one, which is what is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, geez. In life or work? Well, there's a saying that I love personally, which is the old, and it's a cliche, but it's, I just, I just love it. It's the lift as you climb. 
And mm. it's not me as an individual, like, yeah, sure. Like what do you, what does climbing mean or charts and all that jazz? No, but it's the idea that organizations, things like purpose and all that, they all become weighted words. They become those buzzwords we were just talking about. But mm. the very simple human lift as you climb, it's the do unto others. It's the give back, give more than you receive. There's, well, geez, we're back in religion and I haven't been to church <laughs> in forever, but we're back in religion. But it's that idea of lift as you climb and sort of give more than you receive, right? That very human piece. And then the second is the one that I always come back to, which is at the end of the day, your personal brand like can be all sorts of interesting things, how people experience working with you and, and all that jazz. But you're always going to be built on uh, the relationships you form, your accountability and the quality of your work. And if you if you can't bring those three baselines to the table, then don't even bother showing up. And then once you do show up, remember that what you do, and this is especially true for us as an agency, but what you do as an individual in your role is you create two experiences. You create the experience somebody has working with you. And then in our business, your business, my business, we create the experience for our customer, for our XYZ, for our partner, for our whomever. And if I can, if I can do, if you and I, what great advice I was given was if you and I take a risk, and that experience, we try to do something for the customer and it doesn't work, but you and I had a great experience working together. We were, I brought the accountability, the quality and built the relationship with you. And we had a great time together. If that didn't work, you'll call me again because you're going to want to take another risk with me and you're going to want to lift mm. and climb and try something else with me. So that very simple, do not, do not let the output be everything. Make sure that the inputs and what you do together and all those things that I just talked about ground you sometimes, if not more than the output, and then you will find personal and professional meaning in what you do. And a lot more joy, I would imagine, along the way. I love it, Brent. Well, Brent, thanks so much for joining me. I I really enjoyed this. Thanks for letting me uh, talk your ear off. I enjoyed it as well. Technology should serve vision, not set it. At Intevity, we design clear blueprints for organizational readiness and digital transformation that allow companies to chart new paths. Then we drive the implementation of those plans with our client partners in service of growth. Find out more at www.intevity.com forward slash podcast. You've been listening to C-Suite Blueprint. If you like what you've heard, be sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss a new episode. And while you're there, we'd love it if you could leave a rating. Just give us however many stars you think we deserve. Until next time.